What's up, Orange fans? Today I have on Chris Carlson of Syracuse.com as promised. It was a ton of fun. I've had him on a bunch of times, but this is probably my favorite experience that I've had with Chris. He's an awesome dude. Um, Like I said, he's a writer for Syracuse.com. Go on Syracuse.com. Go to sports, and we cover basketball, football, uh, stuff going on campus. It is a pretty loaded show, so I'm not going to take any more of your time from your ears listening to my friend from Syracuse.com, Chris Carlson. Here we go. orange a hundred times out of a hundred. I got my my buddy Chris Carlson on. He's at Syracuse.com. I actually, when I was visiting, I was walking through downtown. And is that actually your building, the Syracuse.com building that's like right in the middle of town there? I don't think I've ever seen it before I was walking around. So we don't own it. Um, okay. We, we run space in the in the bottom couple floors, uh, right out on uh, Warren Street. Um, people can look in uh, when we feel like working. Uh, you know, they can see us typing away. For um, sure. But a pretty cool space. Yeah, well, I was walking by, and it's funny because it's all glass, right? So it's like you, you, like you said, you can see right into it. And there's a guy standing up at his desk, holding you know a landline or a desk phone, and he was talking on it. And he looked and saw me as if like I was. It was like a scene out of a movie. I don't know who it was, but I, he was the only guy in the office talking on a phone, standing up, and like the extension cord was like all the way maxed out and it was almost like the phone like fell out of his hand when he saw me i don't know if he knew who i was i don't know if i knew who he was it was just really funny and i wanted to tell you that story <laughs> that's pretty good you see some uh, you see some interesting stuff late at night out those windows oh i could only imagine i couldn't do it if i were you i like i could only be there at like you know peak hours let's say like 10 to 2 that's it i couldn't have people looking at me like that on a daily basis i'm just i'm just saying yeah i try to i, I usually sit up stairs for that reason well, hey, credit credit to whoever saw me because it was like six p.m. I mean, we were walking around, so he was he was burning the after hour oil. So um, <laughs> at least Syracuse.com knows they have a couple good employees uh, still on the uh, payroll there. But um, that's good. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, have did you go to the game last night, the basketball game? Yeah, yep. I covered the I covered the basketball game, the Bayheim Bowl three point yeah, I want. I just wanted to. What was the vibe? How was it? I want to know all about it. I watched it, but um, you know, I'm more invested in this team this year, at least the basketball team, because of the uh, the record with the football team. So you know, I'm just more involved. So I want to get your perspective on you know just a couple quick points on the basketball team and what you thought of the game. Well, you know, they're they're still they're still trying to find themselves, right? That they they kind of Jalen Carey started the year as the starting point guard. Um, the engine of the offense, and then you know, two games in, it, it wasn't going particularly well. Mm-hmm. Um, they made the switch to Joe Girard. Um, you know, so you've got a freshman point guard, um, and, and you're kind of last year you played a lot of isolation ball and and really relied on Tyus Battle. So there's a ton of kind of learning curve to go on the offensive end and we've seen a lot of it. I mean, they were terrible and scored 34 points against Virginia. Yeah. Um, they started pretty slowly when they played Colgate. 
Um, they weren't good for a while um, yesterday. Uh, they were be- they were much better against Seattle. Um, but, you know, I mean, I kind of had them as a bubble team when the season started. Um, 19 and 12, I think, was my prediction. You know, kind of white-knuckling their way in. And I, and I haven't seen anything so far that's made me change that prediction, you know, for the better or the worse. That's fair. Do you think that we're a, still have a negative record in conference? Um, I think they'll be around 500 okay. um, in, in, the, in the conference. You know, if I had to guess, I'd probably say, yeah, they'll probably be one game below 500. But I do think they'll be probably right around that 500 mark. Yeah, I mean, I honestly, at this point, for I guess where we're trending, 500 in conference seems great because I think that would put us right in the middle. And if you know, if they take the top, you know, however many teams, even if they take eight, um, that should include us in there. Yeah. You know, yeah. so I don't. Yeah, the, and that's all we can hope for. The best, the ACC is the best league in the country. They're playing 20 games against ACC teams. You know, so if you're winning. Nine out of even nine out of those twenty, ten out of those twenty. I mean, you're in good shape as far as making the NCAA tournament. Um, whether that's enough for you is probably another matter. Uh, right. You know, long term. But you know, this is this is kind of a rebuilding year. So uh, you know, I think that's a successful season for this group. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I don't know how I really feel about it. As far as like labeling, well, because was last year something that like you know we are rebuilding from in a way like i feel like we're just a totally different team altogether so it's like are we rebuilding or are we like rebranding almost i feel like that it's it's an interesting way to think about it yeah yeah no uh, i mean the way the way the offense way they've they've kind of reconfigured the offense is certainly far different hopefully um from what it's been you know the, the last kind of four or five years um they're they're trying to put more shooters on the floor um they're trying to, to have more people that are capable passers on the floor. Uh, they don't necessarily have a one-on-one guy, which, which has been kind of a staple of Syracuse's offense over Absolutely. the years. Um, you know, so how that works, we'll see. Um, but yeah, it, it's definitely kind of a change in, in system. Um, you know, despite the coaching staff kind of being the same, there's a lot of changes. I shouldn't say change in system. It, it, they're still running all, most of the same stuff. Um, but, but it's a different style that they're hoping or different tweaks they're trying to make. Yeah, I think it, well, let me ask you this. What do you hope for the young group right now, maybe in two years, you know, Buddy, Joe Girard, um, why can't I not think of um, Gary A, you know, what's kind of your hope for them, you know, by the time they're juniors, you know, where do you think we are? This is an easy way of just me asking, like, you know, are we going to be anything with this group down the line? You know, I mean, I, I mean, if I'm honest, I don't know. Like I, I, I think that's I think fair that's right bad. now, right now, I think Syracuse is in a place where you look at their recruiting, um, you know, they're, they're not bringing in guys that can win, in their first and second year and kind of carry a team. Yeah. Um, they're recruiting guys that are, they're good, but they need to get old to be really good. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean you can't win. You know, Virginia won last year with a bunch of old guys who weren't highly ranked recruits. For sure. Texas tech, you know, won with a bunch of old guys that weren't highly ranked recruits. Um, 
but that is different than how Syracuse has kind of won in the past. They've, you know, the one national championship came from Carmelo. Um, for a while, we had one and done and two and done players. Uh, I, I think they're just not recruiting kind of those types of kids anymore. And we'll see, you know, if that turns into a winning formula or not. Yeah, we will. I don't know. I don't know what to say. It's interesting for me because I think that obviously you get your teeth cut in conference. You play the most games there. And we, like you said, we play in the best league in the country, bar none, really. Um, and because every night is a, is a tough matchup, even if you're playing the bottom team, they still got good guys. You know, and people will laugh, you know, laugh up and down the street about our football, you know, conference. But to a degree, those guys are still going to be NFL players, too. I, I just think that's a lot of the programs just wildly mismanaged or poorly coached. Like you saw with Louisville this year like you know most of the same players are still there they're just turning over a chapter and you know getting somebody that you know wants to be there in the door so um you know we'll see I guess and I'm just honestly trying to be optimistic that this new route of like you're saying not going to the one or two are done guys are gonna lend itself to trying to be in that more traditional college model of winning with upperclassmen yeah uh, you know I mean that's I think that's how most teams need to win. Um, you know, especially you look at a lot of the one and done players, they're all congregating at the same schools. So, so it's just really, really, it's really, really hard to get those guys on campus. And if you're not getting the absolute top of that, then they're hard to win with. And Very. Syracuse, hasn't always, you know, lately they have not gotten the absolute top of that one and two and done. Right. They've gotten, you know, players that jump to the NBA and they're the number 20 or the number 30 pick in the NBA draft. And that's good. Those are really nice players, but, but they're not, you know, game changers on their own. They're, exactly. they're nice pieces and you need other nice pieces. Like Virginia had last year, you know, Virginia had three draft picks. They had DeAndre Hunter, Kyle Guy, and Ty Jerome. Right. And none of them were like the top five guys but you, you put three of them together at the same time and they're old. Uh, that's how most teams that aren't Duke and Kentucky have to win. Yeah. And then, you know, that lends itself to when the right guy comes along, you know, for all intents and purposes, then it fits. That's, that's great. Exactly. It fits together. And then you can recruit that guy being like, Hey, you are the missing piece. But the thing is that's tough, Chris. And that I know you can probably think your way all the way down the, and all the listeners probably thinking their way down the line. Saying, well, what if we get that, you know, that far, and then, number one, the guy does come, and we don't win. And then we just kind of like lost our one opportunity. And then we have to try it again and work our way up. Or, you know, what, let's say we don't get that guy, and then we just have, you know, an average team again. You know, but I don't, and again, I'm just trying to find a way in my mind to where we're just contending, you know, legitimately contending. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, the, the Syracuse coaching staff certainly likes this freshman class. Um, Joe Girard has already been much better than I thought he would be his first year. Likewise. Um, you know, he's, he's looked really, really good. Um, I, I, Bryson Goodine was the guy that I saw the most in high school. Um, he hasn't been comfortable. He hasn't looked comfortable out there yet, but I still think he's going to be a very, very good college player. Uh, Quincy Guerrier, you know, they talked about him like, you know, he's kind of the next NBA guy. Um, he doesn't look like it yet, but, but from the body and the athletic standpoint, I mean, he's a guy that, that, you know, could get there eventually. 
Um, and then they've got, you know, Jesse Edwards is a kid who's been playing um, four or five years of basketball. And just the, the amount of improvement he's made already to get to where he is a scholarship player at Syracuse. Right. I mean, if he continues on that trajectory, he's going to be exceptional. The, the question is where he starts to level off. Um, Which is fair. As far as his development. But, but the coaching staff, and John Bullajack is going to be probably a program guy. Um, you know, he's redshirting this year. He's going to be probably a depth player over the course of his career. Um, but you need those. Um, so, I mean, they, you know, but I don't think that any of those guys are carrying a program this year. And I don't think that those guys are like, you know, going to become exceptional this year. They need Elijah Hughes and, and Marek Dolajai to really kind of carry them. And are those guys guys that can carry a team deep in the NCAA tournament? You know, I'm not quite sure. Yeah. No, I, I got you. But look, you've given me a lot of hope already in this amount of time. So that's all I can really ask for, Chris. I thank yeah. you there. Um, you're covering the, um, you know, Otto's Army student section at the games. And that's why I kind of want to talk about basketball in general is that um, there's been some, you know, acts of hate on campus, you know, with some uh, racist graffiti in Otto's army. The student section has protested a couple games with the hashtag, not again, SU. Um, I don't want to spend too much time on this just because, you know, I don't want to give the haters the, you know, the spotlight. But, sure. um, you know, what's kind of been the vibe around campus? Because I'm not there to see it. I want to hear it from your perspective. Well, you know, the last couple days here got really kind of chaotic um, and scary in that, you know, emotions were already really high with some of the, you know, acts of racism or and anti-Semitism. Um, you know, students were already pretty emotional. And, and then somebody somewhere on the internet uploaded kind of this mass murderer from, from New Zealand, you know, a, a manifesto um, on a, a message board. Um, and somehow a rumor got started that that manifesto was then airdropped to students over their iPhone. Now to do that, the person has to be in close proximity to students. So right. this rumor was that somebody very close was, you know, dropping you know, literature produced by a mass murderer and sending it to students, which is, you know, is very, very frightening. And the idea that that is a threat, you know, students had every, every right to be scared. Yeah. And, you know, in this day and age, right, where we hear about mass shootings um, on the news every day, students had every right to be terrified, you know, from, from that. Um, The problem is that that never really happened. Um, the manifesto did get uploaded to a web page to the, to the website, but it was not airdropped to students. Now that is still very, very bad and inappropriate. And, you know, the students have every right to feel angry about that. But I think like the fear would have been a lot less without kind of that rumor taking, you know, root and really spreading, um, so, you know, so it's been a, a really, really, I mean, the student body has been very emotional. Um, you know, students left early for Thanksgiving break, teachers canceled classes. Um, you know, it's been a kind of a really, really scary kind of chaotic time up here. Um, but thankfully, thankfully, it does seem like we are pulling out of it to some degree. Um, we have 
heard that that is a hoax and there's not an imminent threat to anybody's, you know, safety. Um, the chancellor has met with, with kind of the protesters um, who, who are kind of seeking just to make some improvements on campus. Um, and it sounds like they are, you know, pretty much almost agreed to everything that the protesters want. Um, the protesters have been sitting in for uh, in the Barn Center for more than a week. Um, so, I, I, you know, I am optimistic that hopefully this kind of chaotic, scary time is hopefully coming to a close, you know, and after the Thanksgiving holiday, you know, hopefully kids are able to have kind of their normal college experience again. What were like two or three things that the protesters were requesting from the chancellor? Um, so they, uh, the, the protesters and it, it, it's largely, um, it's largely, uh, people of color, uh, who have kind of organized the protesting, but there, there's different groups that have met with, um, the chancellor and met, um, and made different demands. Um, so one of the kind of the key things is Syracuse is a very diverse school. They do a good job bringing diversity to the campus. Um, there, the, there are a number of the protesters from the movement don't feel like the students, the diverse student body is cared for once they are here. Um, so th- there's a request for uh, more diversity among faculty and uh, more diversity among counselors. Um, so those students have somebody to turn to when they, you know, encounter racism, many of them for the first time in their life. Many of them come from very diverse places and they're brought to Syracuse, which you know, is less diverse for them. So some of them, for some students, they're encountering this intolerance for the first time in their life. They struggle to know how to handle it, and they just want somebody they can relate to um, to talk to. Um, That seems like a very kind of, you know, uh, intelligent thing. Um, And, you know, the chancellor, you know, agreed to that. You know, he he said essentially, yes, we need to do that. We need to hire more diverse faculty. Um, We need more counselors. Um, that, that was kind of one of the key ones to me. Um, there are, there are also, you know, there's a kind of a program that students are entered into when they get here. It's called SEM 100. Um, and and it's supposed to teach students about diversity, um, and, you know, bias and, and prejudice and, um, you know, appropriate language even, um, you know, if you haven't grown up a diverse community where you had to learn some of those things, what, what's okay to say and what's not okay to say. Um, that program so far, I guess, you know, well, clearly from what we're going through, that program hasn't been effective. Um, so they're requesting kind of an overhaul of that program and maybe to make it, you know, a longer part of the curriculum rather than just, you know, a couple classes that you sit through. And, you know, most of the kids probably, you know, wish they weren't there. Um, because, you know, it's probably like, you know, the sexual harassment training that I have at work, right? Like, I don't really feel like I need it. Um, I don't really want to be there and pay attention to it because I think I'm okay. Um, but maybe I'm not, right? And, and, and if that is something that kind of you have to do frequently rather than just get through one class, you know, maybe it sinks in a little bit more. Maybe you actually learn something. Um, maybe you're a little bit more engaged with kind of the the teaching. Um, so that was another one that kind of made a lot of sense to me that, that I think will be, you know, very good for Syracuse. 
um, and very good for our students. It's something that I wish when I was a Syracuse student, you know, I was able to go through. I don't know if I would have loved it at the time, but like now as an adult, um, I wish that Syracuse University would have had something like that when I went to school. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Um, that's that's awesome, and I think that we're. I think that <laughs> you know, for a way to think about it, it's like nobody really wants to sit through Toby from the office's seminar. But like you said, you know, it's like at some point it it is necessary. So, in the, yeah. like you said, you know, those are totally um, reasonable and logical. Um, you know, requests to be made. Um, and I think that, and, and, especially for a private university. And students, yeah. And, and for, for students that are, that are impacted, you know, they, they want to know that at a bare minimum, right. The university is really trying yeah. and doing everything they can to create a space where they don't have to deal with that stuff. Um, so at least, you know, even if it doesn't work, right. Even if, even if there are 20 year olds that aren't paying attention, like I might not have when I was 20, at least, you know, at least Syracuse tried to reach that those kids and, and they put together a curriculum that, that has a chance and, and, you know, made the best possible effort to, to do it. Um, you know, I, I don't think that any of the protesters think that, you know, Syracuse can eliminate racism um, in the world. That's not a, a real request. That would be um, big. But they do want to know that the university is really, really, really trying to eliminate racism on campus. That's awesome. I'd love to hear that. Um, I was just, at first, you know, I just was very taken aback and didn't really know what was going on. And the next thing I know, I see that there's, um, you know, like you said, a protest, a sit-in, you know, the student section is not going to the game. And my initial thought was like, well, you know, now you're going (laughs) to... punish the students on campus that are trying to represent the university in a positive way, i.e. the basketball team. And I, you know, it was just, I didn't know what to think, you know? And, um, you know, so it's, I'm, most of the basket, most of the basketball players have been very supportive of it. And, I believe that. You know, um, Elijah, Elijah Hughes has been the most vocal. He's the star. He's been here kind of the longest. So, so, you know, he kind of has the biggest voice, um, you know, and, and he said, we support those Folks, um, I might have, I might be there with them if I didn't have a basketball game, um, you know, or if, if I didn't have to stay locked in on basketball season. So I think for some students, they, you know, they see it as, as these protesters are, are fighting for their rights and they're fighting to make the campus a better place for them too. Um, you know, uh, so I thought that was a very intelligent and kind of mature way for Elijah to look at it. Um, not that these not that these students are, are punishing me by skipping my basketball game, but they're helping me because they're standing up, standing up for me in my life. Um, I think that's, that's pretty cool for him to get it at, at that age. Yeah. And, and, and voice it too. That is, that is yep. super awesome. But um, that's, that's really all I had on that. Did you, what, where were you when you realized that Syracuse was going to run away with the Duke game last weekend? What, like, where, what, what was your thoughts? How were you receiving it? I mean, it, it, I, my, uh, Dino never ceases to amaze me. My breath was taken away, Chris. How, how did you feel? You know, I, didn't, I wasn't sure what was going to happen. Um, I don't think Duke is very good. Um, Fair. So I thought, hey, Syracuse has a week, an extra week to prepare for this thing. Um, 
you know, maybe the defensive coordinator kind of create change creates a sense of urgency. Um, you know, so maybe they will play, you know, better than they have. Uh, I thought, you know, they had a chance to win. I was pretty surprised that they just absolutely clobbered Duke. And, you know, like everybody else, it, you know, the, I don't think they have it in the tank to win the last two, but, but now but. those last two and be a little interested and think, ah, eh, maybe this could happen. I, yeah, I, man, if that, I think we're going to get an all-time... This game on Saturday is going to be an all-time reaction game. Like, it, minute by minute, it's going to be like, I'm in, I'm out. Oh, I'm, I'm back in. No, I'm, I'm back out. You know, depending on how it goes. Because I get it. Look, I went to the game, the previous game before Duke, and that was... Um, that, was painful, that, that, that was a, That was a very lifeless performance. Yeah. I mean, to say the least. And the fact that we turned around. And, and not only did we get our first Power 5 win, we embarrassed another team. A, an embarrassing team in and of ourselves, the two weeks prior, went and embarrassed another team. I, was like, I, I, hadn't, like, I still don't really have like a take on the game because it it was as if things just didn't stop from last year. It was a snapshot into what I thought this whole season was going to be. I think, I guess, you know, not that, not that anybody I think was doubting whether Dino can reach these guys because they went 10 and three last year and, and, you know, with his charisma and his delivery, I find it very hard to imagine him completely losing a team. Um, like but it certainly showed that Dino still has their attention and that these guys haven't checked out and they're still working um, and they're still trying and they're still giving effort. Um, and after the BC game, you know, that, that was very, very important. And I think that was very, very good to see if you're a Syracuse fan, right? The, 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 you know, they had a chance to mail this thing in this season in yeah. and they chose not to do it. And they, they chose to fight. And that, you know, that is that in and itself is a good sign. Yeah, I mean, I got texts that were saying, um, you know, <laughs> all sorts of ranges of things. But the biggest thing, I was just like, I didn't really feel like that, you know, just by a bye week and letting letting go of a coach, a coordinator, even, you know, was the recipe for that. I don't, it, it felt like the team finally was just like, you know what, we came in thinking that we were, we were Clemson and we realized quickly that we weren't and we didn't know how to recover from that. And then they finally just mm-hmm. kind of like looked, you know, in the mirror introspectively and said, okay, well now let's start playing. And I don't want this team to have to always feel like the underdog. Like we can still be good and then go out there and play good. You know, like the mentality mm-hmm. in the play don't have to always be so far off. Like last year, nobody believed in us this year. Everybody believed in us. And then we didn't know what to do. You know, I think, you know, having to yep. always have the extreme chip on the shoulder is very tiring as a player and also as a coach. So I wonder how Dino kind of does that moving yeah. forward. Yeah, no, that I mean that is a that is a, a really really smart point. I think um, none of these guys had ever come into a season, at least at the college level, where they were like celebrated and you know, ranked and told how wonderful they were and told how great they were. Um, and then kind of the whole build up to the season 
was to that Clemson game, right? We, we spent nine or 10 months of buildup to that Clemson game. Absolutely. And then it, it was over and they lost. And like, that was what seemed at least, you know, public perception wise, that was what the whole season was building toward. And then it was gone. So how could they, emo- so, how, so how do you emotionally re, re, kind of reload from that? And maybe you're right. Maybe they didn't. Maybe they struggled to kind of find that. Um, and that off week for Duke and the coordinator change. And, you know, maybe it took them a while to find their leg. But I, I guess we'll find out, right? We'll find out this weekend if they can kind of hang with Louisville. Because um, Louisville certainly has a, a very, very good offense. They're sketchy on defense, but they're going to score. Um, so, you know, not like Duke, kind of the opposite of Duke. For sure. Um, to me, competitiveness, you know, physicality, all that stuff, the traits that you want to see in a football team, I think can be measured the rest of the season in a way that helps me kind of understand where the team is going to. Like, I, I really don't want to look at this like preseason football after you know, if we do lose a game here or there. Um, whether it be to Wake Forest or Louisville, because there's still positives to be taken away if you can overcome, you know, some of those mental barriers too. So, you know, it's it's not all won or it's not all lost. Whether or not we go to the Texas Bowl again or whatever the low, you know, you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, there's there's, I I, there is a lot to watch for in terms of the future, you know, most of that offensive line is coming back next year. Mm-hmm. So the offensive line has looked a lot better the past, yeah. you know, even the BC game, they weren't, they weren't horrible as far as giving up sack. And then they were really, really good against Duke. They were really, really good. So, you know, is that progress real? Um, because I mean, I exactly. think, you know, I think that's what derailed a lot of the season and most of that is back next year. So are those guys better? And if they are better, then, you know, we can start being optimistic again. Yeah, you know, it's so weird that, um, you know, I've, as a former player, when, especially in those early periods, and I'm talking about the offensive line here, is that a lot of these young guys, um, they've gotten reps. And it's weird, Chris, like for myself, when I would take some time away from the game and come back, you know, let's say it's an off season in high school or even from freshman to sophomore year in college, um, just that time away. And then coming back, you have like this weird, like growth period that you're like, okay, I've already experienced some of this stuff. So some of the excuses are out the door. That's kind of how I always thought of it. Like I have to grow from here, you know, maybe a bye week maybe all this stuff happening and changing with the team gave the young offensive lineman like, Hey, look, we have some experience now. We have, a f- we have fresh legs, Let's just go out there and do it. You know, some of the excuses are out the door now. Um, yeah, and for me, yeah, it's absolutely. like I just I just grew from those times being away from a long or short amount of time because you have kind of those experiences to fall back on, and now your coaches are like, "Hey, you, you it's 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 time now." And I think that's a little bit of what happened. Yeah, yeah, I think that, I think that's absolutely right. I, I think. Um, and I think that approach is going to be kind of very important for these guys kind of going forward. And I think you're right. I think we can measure it the, the next couple of games by how well they play, how competitive they are, whether, whether they win one, whether they win two. And I think this is, you know, interesting in 
the fact of like, I wonder if this now this is a turning point. Like we can look back this you know, for years down the line, but like, do we start to have organic growth, you know, natural progression mm-hmm. rather than four and eight for a hundred years, what it felt like. And then 10 and three, that was an explosion. I felt like that's, you know, we may have hedged against that when we talked last before the season, but it just wasn't fun to think that the team could possibly wind up sub 500. So, yeah. you know, it's like now is this season going to be the benchmark of being like, here's the natural, you know, 10% improvement over time until coach Babers decides to retire or whatever the case may be, you know, whatever that end date is, you know, between now and that end date, you know, is, you know, hopefully we can start to see the natural growth of a program. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I do think with, with especially kind of the offensive line and the defensive line, right? Those are positions where you need older guys um, just because they're so physical. And this was kind of the season where the fifth year guys were, um, you know, recruited by Scott Schaefer. The fourth year guys were guys that Dino didn't have time to put together a full recruiting class. So he's kind of grabbing whatever he can at the last minute. Um, to, to try to salvage that class. Um, so I know, it, you know, technically this team is, is mostly kind of Dino's guys, but kind of the, the, the place where we've seen the weakness the most, you know, it's, it, th- there are some reasons to think that, you know, he was put in a little bit of a tough spot here and, and there can be improvement kind of, over time, as you said, so that that this whole reload doesn't have to happen again. So we don't have to have this down year to get to a better year um, where the offensive line is more experienced. Yeah, hundred um, percent. And that's that's a good take. I like that. Um, what do you what do you think happens from here on out? Um. I think it's going to be very, very hard for them to win at Louisville. Um, you know, Louisville has a very balanced offense um, and that they have a running threat. Um, Syracuse has struggled to kind of def- defend the run against really good running teams. Um, and then they have a couple of big play wide receivers who, who can hurt you when you devote too much attention to the run. Um, and they have a mobile quarterback who, if things break down, can, can kind of make some plays. Um so I do think that Louisville is going to score. And I do wonder if Syracuse can keep up with a team that's going to score, especially on the road. Um, so I'm not, you know, I think Louisville is going to win that game. I think Syracuse has a good chance to win its last game at home against Wake Forest. Um, you know, Wake Forest has had a lot of injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, its offense looked pretty good early. Um, but, but it, you know, two of the three wide receivers who really helped them are hurt. Um, their quarterback got dinged up and missed a game a couple weeks ago. Um, and they've, they haven't, they haven't been close to a win the last couple weeks. So if Syracuse comes out for that last home game, um, and kind of plays the way they did against Duke, I think that is a really winnable game for Syracuse, but they do face the challenge of, of rebounding emotionally. If right. The Louisville game. Um, so how that team comes out for that game, uh, I think probably pl- plays a, a big role in how that goes. And, uh, you know, 
it's hard for me to guess the mindset of, of young 20 year olds. Uh, I just, that's a fool's errand and I have no clue how, how a 20 year old is going to respond. It is. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. There is no map or guide to a 20 year old's mind. And that is just the reality of life. I did have a, a quick question for you though. You're a Syracuse grad. Um, as far as football goes, who, when you see this team on the schedule, you're like, you know what? I would get up for that team. Like, who's your least favorite team that we play routinely? Oh, wow. Um, so who's the, you're asking me kind of who the rival is? No, I'm, I'm no, your, your rival. It's in your mind, you know, you're living in this world. It's like whoever you want it to be. I don't care who it, like, I, I just want to know who you say. Oh, man. This is so hard. Um, I mean, when I, in, in my day, it was Virginia Tech. Um, there were just some epic games um, between Syracuse and Virginia Tech in, in kind of the early 2000s. Uh, the, the, the memory that still kind of sticks with me the most is, is you know, Dwight Franey versus Mike Vick. And Franey oh, yeah. had four and a half sacks. But Virginia Tech won, but I mean, Freeney just terrorized Vic the entire game, um, and how loud the dome was for that game. So, so probably Virginia Tech, just because those are the memories that from my days when I was at college. Uh, now, unfortunately, they're in the Coastal Division, so that game doesn't happen very often. I know, but, but that's kind of the game that I have the most, you know, strong memories of. Yeah, you know, and that's kind of what I'm finding out is I think everybody has a little bit of a different answer on that because I was thinking like, you know, in my experience, I've always thought of, um, you know, Pitt as a natural kind of pick because we always play them no matter what. Um, And then now, for whatever reason, you know, because we beat Clemson once and we played them close another time, you know, everybody wanted to make that a thing. Um, but I don't know, man, Louisville's in there too. That's why I bring it up is cause I really don't like them very much either. I just didn't like their last sure. coach. Sure. Yeah. And the, I mean, the Petrino and Lamar, uh, ran it up pretty good, yep. uh, a couple times here and Syracuse ran it up pretty good on Petrino on his way out the door, uh, last year. Oh yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm sure there's no, uh, no love lost between the fan bases and, and the, the players who experienced those two things. <laughs> they, they say you can uh, throw out the record books when those things happen. <laughs> <laughs> yep. When hard feel when hard feelings come into play, uh, it probably changes the equation. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, it's weird thinking like, I've always thought like, you know, very, like Uber regionally, you know, as far as being from LA, like, you know, you just don't like the other LA team. Like, that's your rival. You know, so for me, thinking about it as far as like, okay, they're in central New York, Louisville's in Kentucky, you know, it's kind of a ways away. I don't know. It's just weird for me. But and it's just different than, you know, how I grew up. That's all. Yep. yep. That's right. So, Chris, this was awesome, man. I think this was like my favorite show that we've done together. Oh, well, I'm glad to hear it. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, for, 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 always, always do my best for you, Tyler. I appreciate that, man. Anything else? Do you have any questions for me? I've never asked you that. Oh, man. 
I was not prepared for this, so no, I do not have any. <laughs> okay, no problem. I just thought I would let you play Journal. I'll, I'll prepare journal. some for the next time. Okay, yeah. Well, hey, look if you ever if you ever need a terrible story to write, just call me up. I'll talk to you for on something. You know, I'll I'll give my takes on something. You just let me know. That's what I like to hear. I appreciate that offer. We'll uh, we'll make sure we take you up on it. <laughs>